KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, January 4th. COVID compromising local fire rescue units. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. In San Diego, the number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 continued to climb on Monday, according to the latest state figures. There were 664 people with COVID-19 in county hospitals, up from 628 on Sunday and 590 on Saturday. Meanwhile, many waited in long lines on Monday for COVID-19 testing. County officials defended their decision to shutter in-person testing over the holiday weekend. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says it's been a difficult two years for the region's health care workers. Health care workers have, have gone through a lot, and so the ability to give them a day or two to be with their families, given that the county only administers about 10 percent of the total testing, let's put this in context now. It's about 10 percent of the total regional amount. Uh, to give them a day or two to be with their families, uh, I think was, 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 was the right thing to do. County officials say there will be 84 in-person testing events this week run by the county and their partners. The Food and Drug Administration has authorized the use of a Pfizer booster shot for children ages 12 to 15. The Center for Disease Control plans to meet on Wednesday to give official guidelines for using the booster. Dr. Mark Sawyer is an infectious disease specialist with Rady Children's Hospital and UC San Diego. We don't have any evidence that it affects children differently, but lots of children are getting infected because they're not yet immunized, because they haven't been eligible to get immunized. So just like in adults, if you're unimmunized, you're much more likely to get infected. So we're seeing that in children. On Monday, the FDA also authorized the use of a booster shot for 5 to 11-year-olds who are immunocompromised. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The San Diego Fire Department has issued an emergency brownout because of increased cases of COVID-19. This means several units had to be shut down because dozens of firefighters are in isolation. KPBS's Kitty Alvarado says this order is meant to maximize resources. The latest COVID wave being fueled by the Omicron variant is taking down even the bravest. The San Diego Fire Department currently has over 100 firefighters and more than a dozen lifeguards in isolation, meaning they tested positive for COVID-19. Chief Colin Stowell says this is unprecedented. Probably about three times as much as we saw during uh, 
what we thought was then the peak of COVID for us. This is just uh, numbers that we would have never imagined. Stowell says this has forced the fire department to implement their emergency staffing plan. Since the new year, the fire department has had to shut down several units daily. By us going into this with a plan and picking the units that we're going to close down, we're trying to ensure that it, their, the response times are not significantly impacted and they see longer wait times. We have made sure that there are units in those fire stations that can still respond to those emergencies. And if by chance that unit's already busy on another call and there's a subsequent call come in that district, that it's in an area that's got fire engines real close by that can get in there quickly. Adding to this, the city of San Diego's vaccine mandate deadline ends today. If employees are not vaccinated or have a valid exemption, they will be sent warning letters of termination. Mayor Todd Gloria says this mandate is working and at 88 percent, vaccinated employees are at an all-time high. He also says too many are focusing on the impacts this may have on future staffing levels. We are uh, moving forward with a number of contingency plans currently. Um, It is not accurate to say that uh, the vaccine mandate will have operational impacts. What is accurate to say is that we are currently suffering through operational impacts because of COVID-19. Gloria says he's confident in the emergency plan Chief Stowell is implementing. I trust um, his judgment and wisdom in making sure that our personnel and our apparatus are positioned in the right communities um, so that we can respond to emergencies as they happen. Uh, this is far from ideal. Don't, make, don't get it wrong. I would much prefer that we are not dealing with this situation. The CDC has shortened isolation time for people who test positive but are asymptomatic to five days. Stowell says this will help, but he expects this to get worse before it gets better. We do expect it to probably continue to climb and hopefully we reach that peak and plateau soon. But that was really our motivation to create this plan now and rather than wait till it is a dire emergency. And that was reporting from KPBS's Kitty Alvarado. For the second time in the last few months, someone has sprayed hateful graffiti at San Diego Academy in Encinitas. But KPBS's Melissa May says parents and community activists want more. At 3.55 a.m. on January 1st, a single youth spray-painted the front of San Diego Academy with racist and homophobic slurs. Students, parents, and community leaders came together for a rally. I was not surprised in the slightest, and it's disappointing to know that I honestly felt no reaction. It was obviously disheartening, but it's like this has happened so many times that it's like it's it's become nothing new. Aya Jaffer is a junior at San Diego Academy High School. She says she doesn't feel safe in the district. I feel like we're constantly I never know what's going to happen. There's constant threats. There's and especially this year in particular, it has felt rockier than ever to be a marginalized student in this district. And it feels scary and it feels unsafe. Yusuf Miller is from the North County Equity and Justice Coalition. We're here to denounce the hateful speech that was spray painted on the walls of this building, which has been removed. This is not an issue of a one of. This is an issue of a systemic problem that has been going on in San Diego Unified for years. Leaders from the North County LGBTQ Resource Center and the NAACP were also present at the rally and are calling upon the San Diego Union High School District to take action. 
Superintendent Dr. Cheryl James Ward could not make it to the rally, but says she is open to meeting with all community leaders. We're becoming a no place for hate district. Every school is a no place for hate um, school now. And we are uh, starting our training with the Anti-Defamation League. James Ward has been a resident of Encinitas for over 15 years and says the San Diego School District does have issues and appreciates the community's efforts. I appreciate the grassroots efforts. Um, but I did not want today to be political. It's not political for me. It's about kids and it's about ensuring that kids get what they need. Um, there's a lot of trauma and, and, and I just, I don't want this to be political. The school district is working to identify the youth. And although James Ward cannot guarantee that vandalism will not happen again, she talks about what the district is working on. I can't offer for sure are the things that we're doing to change. Right? We have diversity, equity, and inclusion training from the County Office of Ed that's happening on all of our, with all of our campuses. Staff and student leaders are also going to take part in training from the Anti-Defamation League. Jaffer is a Muslim Arab American and has a message for anyone who was affected by the recent event. You were never alone in this fight and like I'm here, we're all here, all of these people are here for you and for your feelings and it's okay to feel hurt. You should feel hurt and you should feel angry and you should feel mad and you should want change right now because that's what we need. We need that momentum. And that was reporting from KPBS's Melissa May. A San Diego political leader and one of the most powerful labor advocates in the California legislature announced a surprise departure on Monday. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. Democratic Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez announced her abrupt resignation during the first hour of session in the new year. She's leaving the assembly to work with the California Labor Federation, which advocates for 1,200 unions across the state. The opportunity to serve in this capacity doesn't come up but every few decades. And as I think you all know, serving working Californians is my singular priority. Gonzalez has authored dozens of envelope-pushing labor laws, such as a requirement that companies reclassify most contract workers as employees, and a new law meant to crack down on Amazon warehouse quotas. The San Diego Democrat recently completed breast cancer treatment. She'll lead the Labor Federation in July when longtime chief Art Pulaski retires. And that was CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon. THC, the chemical in cannabis that makes you feel high, actually comes in several different varieties. The most well-known is technically called Delta 9 THC. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser tells us of a new kind of variety that's emerged in the past few years called Delta 8 THC, and it's currently prospering in a kind of legal limbo. So why is this new THC variety now being heavily marketed? Well, mainly it's a way for cannabis producers and distributors to get around laws in states that ban THC. To understand why, you have to start with the plant hemp, which comes from the same species of plant as cannabis. But hemp is legal, and so is CBD, which is usually made from hemp. From CBD, you can make Delta-8. So in states that ban cannabis, Delta-8 falls into a legal loophole. A lot of people have dubbed Delta-8 sort of this weed light. Kyle Boyer researches Delta-8 at UC San Diego's Center for Medical Cannabis Research, but he says scientists don't know a lot about it yet. There have been limited clinical studies on Delta-8. This is um, 
you know, what you read about people's experiences on the internet, this type of thing. Um, and while that's valuable to an extent, it is n there's not a replacement for a clinical trial, <laughs> especially if we're talking about treating a specific illness or um, a condition. Delta-8 is made by dissolving CBD oil and mixing it with acid, and then using chromatography to isolate the THC strand. But Boyer says the labs that do this chemical process aren't always well regulated. A lot of the people that are making this stuff, many of them are untrained and definitely um, don't necessarily have any business doing synthesis if they're, they're not trained chemists. If the acid isn't fully neutralized, you could end up ingesting it. And there might be other substances in the mixture as well. You don't know what you're getting. Um, there's a lot of lack of quality control because these, this is not regulated in the sense that there is no mandate saying if you put a Delta-8 product on the shelf that you have to test it um, because it's a legal loophole. It's very different for every um, state and federally um, and even, you know, it's just this huge gray area and there's been so many contradicting statements coming out of the DEA itself that, you know, it still all needs to be sort of um, hashed out. Cannabis attorney Maital Manzuri says the federal government and states are still figuring out what to do with this new Delta-8 strain. Here in California, they're essentially saying that um, it's going to be taken into the um, cannabis regulatory scheme at some point and be regulated just like cannabis, that hemp will be. And then, um, you know, there's going to be sort of this subjective analysis as to your product's intoxicating effects and how that determines the legalities. Jackie Bryant is a journalist and expert on cannabis. She sees lots of marketing from companies selling drinks, syrups, and gummies, all made with Delta-8. The first Delta-8 product I ever tried um, was from a brand called Level, which makes this product called ProTabs, and they're little pressed pills. And um, yeah, it kind of feels like weed, but it's not quite there. Because she lives in California, where cannabis is legal, she would prefer products that have been tested. Plus, she says she likes that traditional Delta-9 comes from plants. You don't have the plant, you don't have the farmer, you don't have the land, you don't have all of the expenses and manpower that come with that. So, and, and you know, our current medical model and the FDA model of, of medical testing is one compound, one effect. And so cannabinoid medicine doesn't really fit well into that because the cannabis plant produces, again, a number of cannabinoids. As for the future of Delta-8, it's unclear. Right now, cannabis retailers are making lots of products with Delta-8 because it's on trend. But whether that will last is not yet known. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. This story was produced in collaboration with Nova. Coming up, scientists from all along the West Coast are trying to document a king tide, or those tides that reach the highest tide levels. We'll have more on that next, just after the break.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Scientists and volunteers from San Diego to the Oregon border are flocking to shorelines right now to document the king tide. That's an unofficial term for the highest the tide ever gets. They're important to record because places that only flood during king tides now may not be habitable in 100 years as sea levels continue to rise. KCRW's Kaylee Wells tagged along during last month's king tide. Here we go, here we go, it's coming up. That was a big one. Dr. Michael Quill is the Marine Programs Director for the nonprofit LA Waterkeeper. He's taking pictures of the king tide in Malibu. We just had a wave come right up to the steps here. He's standing at the top of a staircase that leads to the ironically named Broad Beach. The beach is disappearing. I think there are another 10 stairs below the sand right here that are now, that's the high water line. Most of the staircase is buried in sand since the tide is getting closer. What's left is wet with ocean spray. From where the rocks are to this property, it's just dwindling away, dwindling away, dwindling away. I'd be kind of concerned if I'm sitting there in that house and the water's going under three quarters of my house. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Here's how king tides work. High tides come around twice a day and they're especially high when the sun and the moon are aligned. That happens twice per month, when the moon is new and again when it's full. Here's Forrest Curtis with the nonprofit Heal the Bay. We have an elliptical orbit around the sun, and sometimes we're closer to the sun than other times. And in the northern hemisphere, because of the tilt of the Earth, that's in the wintertime. So, so once per year, usually December or January, we're closest to the sun, and the sun's gravitational pull is stronger on us. And then in addition to that, our moon has an elliptical, not quite round orbit. And there are times when it's also closer. And so we are experiencing a time where both the moon and the sun are simultaneously the closest they could be to the Earth inside their relative orbits. The king tides indicate how high the ocean will get as the climate gets warmer and sea levels rise. Since the late 1800s, the sea level already has risen globally about nine inches. If we do a great job curbing our greenhouse gas emissions, then sea levels will rise another 10 inches. If we do a bad job and don't curb our emissions, it could be another eight feet in a worst case scenario. So that's why volunteers are taking pictures of the king tides now and sending them off to environmental scientists like Carrie Batha at the California Coastal Commission. Because there's nothing like getting real evidence from the ground to show you you know, where the water is going to go. Scientists call it a window into our future as sea levels rise. But Batha says evidence has revealed that it's not just a problem for coastal residents. Kind of an evil twin of sea level rise is that 
the coastal groundwater table will also rise as sea levels rise. Recent research out of UC Berkeley found that 145,000 California residents live near a hazardous facility that's at risk of flooding by 2100. Think power plants, oil refineries, and industrial facilities. And when you think about things like industrial sites, there might be pollutants buried in the soil that haven't been exposed to water for a really long time. And when groundwater rises, those pollutants could be mobilized. And disadvantaged communities are six times more likely to live near those facilities at risk of flooding. But Batha says there's good news, too. This year, California allocated more money than ever toward combating the effects of climate change. Sea level rise is making us face kind of unprecedented challenges. But I think that when it comes down to it, we all we all love our shoreline and we want it to continue to be safe and resilient. Back on the beach in Malibu, the king tide is over. The little window into our future only lasts about an hour. But hundreds of photos are on their way to environmental scientists to help us mitigate how much the water rises and plan for a future when it inevitably does. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.